0: You are listening to Be The Love, to awaken our souls. We are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings.
2: this is Nicholas David
1: Man. Namaste. My name is Estella Joy Davey. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. All
0: right, ladies and gentlemen, hello. <laughs> and welcome to Be The Love podcast to awaken our souls. Thank you so much again for tuning in this week. I am Stacy Musial.
1: And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest Neil Donald Walsh. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey and we invite you to be a part of our Be The Love tribe in support of your spiritual growth and transformation to come home to your divine self. Let's raise our vibration to love.
0: And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take, to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy. And breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity. Remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to.
1: Our guest today is Neil Donald Walsh. He has written 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, God Talk: Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power, a book in the Common Sentience Book Series. Neil is the best-selling author of Conversations with God series, which seven of the nine books made the New York Times bestseller list. Book one remained on that list for 134 weeks. His titles have been translated into to 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Neil.
2: It's lovely to be here with both of you. Thank you for the invitation and for the opportunity. How how may I serve you?
1: Well, I, first of all, need to say thank you. Uh, both Stacey and I have read your book since, I mean, the 90s. Uh, <laughs> you were pivotal uh, in my personal spiritual transformation. And so I just, this is, honestly like a dream come true for me. If someone would have asked me, oh, you'll get to actually talk to Neil Donald Walsh someday, back when I read Conversations with God the whole series and other books, I, I don't think I would have believed it. So thank you. Yeah. That's a very
2: sweet thing to say. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda, for, for those very kind words. And and I, I too, I was thinking, wait, I'm just getting a call here. Yeah. I know God. She's she <laughs> she told me. I didn't think I'd ever get a chance to talk to Brenda either. <laughs> Oh, okay. So it goes both ways. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so I've been thinking about if I if someone had told me when I wrote that book 30 years ago that I'd be talking to Brenda and Stacey, I never would have believed them. Mm. So here we are, all three of us together, mm. equally delighted to be in this yes. space with each other.
0: It's an oh my God moment. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that.
2: It's an oh my god moment for me as well.
0: Mm. So let's begin. I, I feel like there's
1: just so much rich history in your spiritual journey, especially with the conversations with God. But I'm curious, what's more of like the the current conversation with Neil Donald Walsh lately? Like what what inspired you to write the new book God Talk? and what does your spiritual journey look like now compared to maybe back back then?
2: Well, uh, to answer the first part of your question, uh, Brenda, what inspired me to, to, to write the book is that I was asked to. Normally, writers write a book, and this has been the case with me with my, my first 39 books. Normally, a writer would write a book and then try to find a publisher to see if anybody wants to publish it. But in this case, for the first time in, in, my, in my time as a writer, the phone rang, and it was an, a publisher calling me and saying, would you be willing to write a book for us? that would tell people um, how they might move closer to having their own experience of the divine in their own conversation with God, if you please. And could you maybe write a book that would tell us how you did that, what the process is that you went through, and so forth, and maybe even give people some steps that they could take to move them into the same kind of experience. So I said, you know what? That's a very good idea. I think I will. So thank you for the invitation. So I did write that book. So that's what inspired me to write it. I got a call from a publisher. And mm-hmm. I said, yes, I would. So I, I, I wrote it. Uh, it took about eight or nine weeks to, to put the book together. Uh, and I sent it to them and they, they liked it and they went ahead and published it. And they did something really interesting, uh, Brenda. They put a call out on the internet, they, just a general invitation uh, on the internet saying to people, if you've ever had your own experience of, you know, interaction with the divine Divine intervention, if you please, send us your story. And they told me that hundreds of people sent them stories. So they picked out a sampling of them and put them also in the book. The point being that they wanted to prove that it's not just this one person, not just, you know, Neil Donald Walsh who's having this experience, but in fact, all people are having the experience all the time. And here are some other examples of divine intervention in the lives of other people. So the book contains a detailed history of my intervention plus those other stories from other people from around the world. So it's kind of an interesting book that, that helps people see how they too could enter into a two-way interaction with the divine. Long answer to a very short question, but that's what inspired me to write the book.
0: Mm. It's a really different take because it is, I think, when we think about God, it's there's that separation that's there. That only those people are getting those experiences, or it's great that you know we're writing about these, or you're writing about it, and perhaps it's not meant for, for me, right? So there's that that separation. Oh, guess, you,
2: you know what, Sarah? To be honest with you, uh, I mean, Stacy. I'm sorry, Stacy. You know what? It goes beyond that. Not only it might not be me. Actually, most of our religions tell us, there are Mm. 4,000 religions Mm -hmm. on the earth right now, and most of our religions tell us that if you claim that God is speaking directly through you, you're a blasphemer, Mm -hmm. you're an apostate. You're committing heresy. So it's not just people are reluctant to, to think that they would receive such information. They're told directly by the mm-hmm. culture in which we live that God doesn't talk to—I mean, maybe the pope, okay, fair enough, or the chief ulama, or the head rabbi, but you got to have credential. God doesn't talk to—they certainly wouldn't talk to Stacy. Mm-hmm. So so don't even get get the idea in your head. And if you do start telling other people that you received a message directly from God, be prepared to be ridiculed, marginalized, and maybe even recommended to the seventh floor in the psychiatric ward at the local mm-hmm. hospital because people will think there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the reluctance you talked about. Our whole culture has yeah. trained us away from. The idea that a there is a God and two that if there is a God that God would talk to the likes of us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many constructs embedded in our culture, from you know shame and guilt to what makes us a good person versus bad. This duality, and so there's a lot of like the religious constructs, and so of course being able to talk to God would be within that. And so I'm curious, you wrote in your book, our challenge on earth today is that place of sleepwalkers, right? And so so how do we start to really wake people up from, from this this deep sleep and help them see beyond this these cultural constructs that are so embedded? Well,
2: we need to have more talks about God, not just conversations with God, but conversations about God. We've been told, at least I was told since I was a young man, really, we don't talk about religion or politics in polite company. So we're not supposed to bring up those two subjects. And in fact, our our discussions about God, our conversations about God, could be the most important conversations we've ever shared with anybody else. So uh, my answer to your question: How do we wake people up? We talk about God. You know, at the at the water cooler at the office, in the cafeteria, in our homes, in our in our dinner parties, wherever we go. Not just in our church or our synagogue or our temple. Mm-hmm but but not only in houses of worship, but let's talk more about God wherever we go. Let's talk mm-hmm. with each other uh, about this extraordinary experience. So, that's uh, what I think is the first step uh, that we can take, is to let people know that it is possible to have a conversation with God, to have a direct communication, a direct connection, if you please, with the divine, and that, in fact, we are all already having that connection, We're all already receiving messages from the divine. We're simply calling it something else because we don't want to be marginalized, as I mentioned a minute ago. We don't want to be, you know, ridiculed or made fun of or made wrong. So we we, we, we call these conversations with God women's intuition or a, an epiphany uh, or a sudden insight, you know, or, or, you know, a stroke of genius. You know, we, we try to find words to describe this experience that every human being has had in their life, and often way more than once or twice. So what can we do to wake people up? exactly what we're doing right here. Mm. Talk about it.
1: Yes. And that's one thing that, yeah, we love to promote on the on the podcast and i've i've noticed a shift with within myself i noticed you you listen to your message about we all receive messages from the divine but sometimes we call it something else intuition insight first of all how do you receive these messages from the divine
2: and in a hundred different ways across a thousand moments uh, brenda actually there's not one way i couldn't answer your question in a single sentence oh how i get it it, it sounds like uh, the voice of Howdy Doody. No. no I, 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 so there's not one way. God communicates with us. Life is uh, constantly streaming information to us. Life informs life about life through the process of life itself. It could be the lyrics of the next song you hear on the radio that just happens to play on the car radio when you're thinking about a problem, and the lyrics of the song are all about that exact same kind of problem. Or it could be the chance utterance of a friend that you happen to run into on the street, or an overheard conversation in the coffee shop, or, you know, other words on the billboard in the next corner as you turn the corner around on the freeway, or it could even be something as simple as a fragrance. Let me share with you an experience I had. I was in the men's department of a department store a few years ago. Well, actually many years ago. Now it's about 20, 25 years ago, but it's an experience I'll never forget because I'm, I'm there to buy a sport coat in the men's department and I'm smelling all of a sudden gardenia i'm looking around why am i where am i smelling that cardini is there a lady with perfume no there was nobody around no lady was around me just the men in the men's department and i said so i said to the manager of the department is is the is the department store perfume you know counter nearby i'm smelling he said no 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 it's it's actually on the the lower floor one floor beneath us i said really so i couldn't figure it out when i got home I got on the phone and I called my mother immediately because this is the tag of that story. Gardenia was my mother's signature fragrance. She wore gardenia perfume all of her life. So, of course, I, re- I thought of her immediately and I called her and we had a very important conversation, a very personal and wonderful conversation. It wasn't all that long after that that she left the planet. And am I ever glad that I picked up the phone? Because I went, my mother lived in another state halfway across the country. I wasn't calling her once a week. A good son would have done that, but I was not a good son. I wasn't calling her every week of my life. It had been you know, several months since I talked to her last. And for no apparent reason, I'm smelling gardenia in the men's department of this department store. And I pick up the phone and I call her. So how does God communicate with me? In a hundred different ways, across a thousand moments, no particular way that I could describe, but stay awake, yes. stay awake. Yeah. Because only when you're awake, will. You, you, will you
1: prevents people from staying awake. Like what? What do you see out in the world as one of the the blocks or resistances to people really being awake?
2: I'm, uh, I'm not sure it's a resistance so much as it's hypnosis. I think we're hypnotized by life. Mm, tell me more about that. Well, life is we're living it. You know, we get we really get caught up in the nine to five of things. I have to do this. I have a to do list. I've got to do that. I put this. This is important. Oh, there's the phone ringing. There's a knock at the front door. You know, uh, and we and then we turn on television. We watch the news. We get caught up in what's going on around the world. We just really get caught up in the hypnotic process of life itself. Life, I mean, on this planet, and we lose track of if we ever really did uh, understand fully. Who we really are. So we think that we're this. And what what what's I don't think it's resistance so much to the idea, it's failure to understand that this is not who I am. I'm not my body, and I'm not my mind. My body and my mind are simply pieces of equipment that who I am uses to complete its agenda. Who I am is a spiritual entity. And my body and my mind are simply tools that are being used to complete the agenda of the soul. My experience has been only one out of a thousand people think of life in that way. But maybe that can change because of undertakings like you two are doing right here because of mm. podcasts like the one that you are sponsoring. Mm. Now, you know, when people say, how am I receiving messages from the divine? They're watching this podcast and it's speaking right to them. Wow.
0: Mm. Wow. That is beautiful. Yes. Yes and and to recognize that all the messages that we are receiving because we are one right because i'm sensing you know this feeling of being one with the divine and i've i've only had these like experiences maybe you know when i tap into it consciously and that's the point right the is i have to consciously tap into the energy to remember to re Member that I am one with the divine. But I know there's so much separation that we go through. It took me a while to even be able to connect with that that energy. And so so I'd love to hear more thoughts on around this idea of separation and being one with the divine so we can truly tap into to that energy and be and stay conscious.
2: Well, you know uh, Stacy, human beings have by and large bought into those human beings who even embrace any kind of theology at all. And that's not everybody. But it is most people, I have to say. Recent surveys have shown that eight out of ten people believe in some kind of higher power. We just can't come to an agreement on what it is, what it wants, how it reacts when it doesn't get what it wants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, but eight out of ten people actually believe there's some sort of higher power existent in the universe. But having, having said that, We've, we've lost touch with, if we ever did have any idea of what that higher power is like. So, and all of the world's religions, I shouldn't say all of them, but I'm going to say 98% of them, the largest number of them, teach us of a God who is, in fact, separate from us. Mm-hmm. So, I started to say a minute ago that we have embraced what I call a separation theology. God's up there, we're down here, mm-hmm. never the twain shall meet. Except perhaps on judgment day when we'll you know be, be told whether we get to go, you know, up there or down there. Depending on our no, there's no question about you, Stacy. You're in deep trouble. You're going down there.
0: <laughs> obviously, because you've been
2: a bad you, 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 you've, we've been a bad girl, and everyone who knows you know.
0: <laughs> everyone knows. knows. You, you, I can't you, hide it. <laughs>
2: you've been a bad girl. But but so we believe in a separation theology. Now, you know, if it started and ended there, it wouldn't be so bad. But the problem is that a separation theology inevitably produces a separation cosmology. That is Mm. a cosmological understanding that all of life is separate from everything else. The trees are separate from the people. The people are separate from the animals. The animals are separate from the stars. The stars are separate from each other. It, we, we live in a universe of separation. And you know, even that wouldn't be so bad if it began and ended there. But the problem with a separation cosmology is that it inevitably produces a separation psychology. That is, individual psyches that see themselves as other than the other, separate from all other people. I have my agenda. You have your agenda. If your agenda serves me, uh-uh. Wouldn't that be wonderful if it did? But if your <laughs> if your agenda serves me, then of course I can have you know, make sure that my agenda serves you. If if we don't have something in it for each other, that it, that is, if we don't strike up kind of a trade deal, because you know we think that love is transactional. Mm. We, we, human beings think that love is a transaction. I'll love you if you love me, and that's how we think God loves us, by the way. We think that God's love for us is transactional. If you give me what I want, God says, I'll give you what you want. But if you don't give me what I want, you can't get what you want. Mm, that comes so, from
0: the mind and the ego, right? So we get caught up
2: in a, you know, a separation psychology. And it, you know, even that wouldn't be so bad if it begun and ended there. But a separation psychology inevitably produces a separation sociology. That is, entire societies that separate themselves from each other because the individual members see themselves that way. So we form, you know, political parties, religions, nation states, other smaller groups, groups of people who belong to certain gender identities, whatever, age groups. And we form these small little groups, these little groupings, and each of them have their own agenda uh, that they require you you to serve if you want to get from them what they have to offer and you know what it doesn't even end there because a separation sociology inevitably produces a separation pathology Mm -hmm. pathological behaviors of Mm self-destruction observable throughout human history and to this very day we see then that a separation theology produces a separation cosmology, which produces a separation psychology, which produces a separation sociology, which generates a separation pathology. And that's the through line. That's the logic line that explains why we are doing with and to each other what we are doing with and to each other to this very day. It all ends when we say one simple thing Hey, guys. There's only one of us. We're not separate from each other. We're simply different expressions of the same single thing. And if we saw each other that way, we would treat each other that way. And we would stop behaving the way we're behaving. It's really quite simple. Now, you know, Stacy. I could be wrong about all of that, but I don't think so.
0: Well, as you were talking and just the resonance in my body just felt like, right. I got goosebumps. Mm, Me too. You know, that, that is, that is the vision to, to create, you know, create a world of consciousness and open, you know, an open pathway so that we all feel that, you know, that oneness that that connection with each other and you know being able to recognize not only the power in god but the and the power within ourselves as well as co-creators is the way I, I like to think about it is you know we're co-creating with the beautiful divine energies and god you know that is is around us and within us all all over <laughs>
2: my understanding is that god has placed that ability to create and to co-create within every sentient being in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. We can loosely call it metaphysics. Mm -hmm. And so that we are told that as we think, so shall it be. Mm. It's really quite simple. And so if if we use, excuse me, just to complete my thought, if we use that power, the power of metaphysics, intentionally, consciously, with great awareness, we can, in fact, generate our own outcomes produce our own reality individually and collectively
1: so i i loved reading on in the third section of your book god talk when you talked about a new spirituality on earth and i loved when you you said we are here to serve a larger purpose and you mentioned earlier mentioned the agenda but you mentioned the agenda of the soul and turning our knowledge of who we are into our experience of who we are i would love to hear in your words, this this agenda of the soul and our larger purpose.
2: Well, my understanding uh, is that the soul comes to physicality for a particular reason. When we come to the realm of the physical. Well, let me back up just a minute and set the stage. My understanding is that there are three realms in what we loosely call the kingdom of God: the realm of the physical, the realm of the spiritual, and the realm of pure being which we might call heaven or paradise. So we come to the realm of the physical from the realm of the spiritual for a particular reason, because in the realm of the physical, we encounter a contextual field. That is, we are confronted with that which we are not as well as that which we are. Now, that doesn't uh, appear in the realm of the spiritual. In the realm of the spiritual and in the realm of pure being, all there is is love. There isn't even time, by the way. It's only here and now. So all we experience in heaven is love, Here and now, love here and now. That's all we experience. But if I want to express a certain aspect of myself so that I can demonstrate love here and now, I would have to go into a space where there was not love here and now always, because in the absence of what I'm not, what I am is not. The simple example that I use when I'm talking to people about this is let's just pretend, I'm speaking metaphorically now, let's pretend that I'm the light. As a metaphor if i want to experience myself as it's one thing to know myself as the light but if i want to experience myself to actually demonstrate myself as the light i would have to do it in only one place a place where there is altogether now dark therefore raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not but bless 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 your enemies and be a light unto the darkness, that you might experience who you really are, and that all those whose lives you touch might experience who they really are as well. That's why we came to the realm of the physical, so we could encounter that which we are not, to fully experience and demonstrate that which we are. When we understand that, we understand the agenda of the soul, because the agenda of the soul is to, in fact, demonstrate and therefore experience our true identity as individuation's of divinity. It's my understanding that we are not simply individuations of divinity, that is, we are not separate from God in any way, but that we are expressions of divinity, and all that stops us from experiencing that is that we have not allowed ourselves to think of ourselves in that way. In fact, we've been told that it's the ego trip to even imagine mm-hmm. such a thing. And so I said to God, how could I believe such a thing? And God said, God said, Neil, Neon, Neil. Have you ever been on an ocean liner? I said, well, sure, I, I have you ever seen a wave on the ocean surface? I said, I've seen many, many waves on the ocean surface. God said, is the wave separate from the ocean? I said, well, no. God said, well, is the wave something other than the ocean? So, said, no, the wave is is the ocean, simply arising in individual form. God said, ah... So you see, after all, the wave is the ocean arising in beautiful, powerful, magnificent individual form. And when that individual expression is complete, the wave recedes back into the ocean whence it came to arise again on another day. So, son, go out there and make waves, Mm -hmm. because your relationship with God is identical to the relationship of a wave to the ocean. And now you understand fully why you're alive the agenda of your soul is for you to experience who you really are. So bless, bless, bless. Not just those who agree with you, but even those who do not. And treat them as you would treat yourself. Or as someone else said a few years ago, do unto others as you would have it done unto you.
0: That's so beautiful. And yes, if we could live in a world that we just... Loved and bless each other, and 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 that is that is the divine vision to just be in in a state of love. I'm wondering, you know, I'm just just thinking about just the people that have maybe anger or resentments and things. You know, what are what are some things or tools that you would give to someone that is struggling with going into reaction mode before they can go into that blessful, creation mode? Yes, yeah, yes. creation mode.
2: It, it, my, my, first of all, let me say that reaction and creation are the same word. Mm-hmm. If you put the words down on a piece of paper, you will see that the word reaction and creation are the same word. Only the C and the R have gotten confused as to where mm-hmm. they're supposed to be. When you move the C and the R into their right position, you get creation, and then you see who you really are. So that's the opportunity that we have here on this planet. Mm-hmm. But how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place of of, of love? when our first reaction is perhaps anger or upset or resentment or frustration, how do we get to that place of, of love? And we get to that place by redefining what love is. I have written a book called The God's Solution, which says that the solution to all of humanity's problems is for us to simply redefine God. And in redefining God, we redefine ourselves because we are individuations of God. So, we need to come up with a brand new definition of God, because you know there are 4,000 religions on the face of the earth. I'm not making that number up. You can Google it. Just type into your Google search engine how many religions are there right now, and they'll tell Mm. you that there are 4,223 faith traditions now being practiced, not since the beginning of history, but being practiced right now on the face of the earth. But those 4,223 religions are telling us that God is separate from us, number one, and they've caused us to lose track of why we're here and who we are and what our opportunity is here on this planet. Once we get back in touch with that, then we change the direction Mm -hmm. and we we move from resentment and anger to love, but a certain kind of love, Mm -hmm. pure love. This is the new definition of God that I am suggesting. What if he said that, it's interesting, by the way, that of of the 4,000 religions, we can't seem to agree on a single statement that all the religions could accept. Every single one could, okay, there's at least one statement that all of us can agree on. That's why there are 4,000 different religions, because we can't come to an agreement about God. But I'm suggesting that the God solution is Mm -hmm. to redefine God as pure love. Now, Stacy, if I give this talk in front of an audience, somebody in the back of the room will inevitably get up and say, oh, Neil, 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 I've been listening to you for 20 minutes you to tell me that the big revelation is that God is love. Well, no, even all the religions agree on that. They might have doctrinal differences, dogma differences, but they all agree that God is love. Come on, is that the best you can do, Neil? And I have to say to them, my friend, I didn't say that God is love. I said that God is pure love. All right, my friend in the back of the room will say, what's the difference? (laughs) The difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and demands nothing in return. We can't even love the person at the pillow next to us that way, much less a person across the world, much less God. We can't even embrace a God. We can't even believe in a God who loves us that way. No, 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 no. God's love is transactional. I love you if, I love you if. If you belong to the right religion, I love you. If you belong to the wrong religion, you're out of here. I don't care how kind you are, how patient you are, how understanding you are, how generous you are, how forgiving you are. I don't care how loving you are. You're still going to hell because you came to heaven through the wrong doorway. Mm -hmm. You belong to the wrong religion, and only practitioners of a certain religion get into heaven. The rest of you are going to hell. What kind of a God is that? What kind of a despot have we made and then we, of course, have said that we are made in the image and likeness of God. But we've made God in the image and likeness of us. Yeah. We've, we've imagined God to be loving for sure, but judging, condemning, and punishing as well. Mm, and yeah. we, dare we believe in a God who does not judge, condemn, mm. or punish anybody for mm. anything? Mm-hmm. Dare we believe in such a theologically radical mm-hmm. notion? Of the divine, yeah. that's theologically revolutionary.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have been in communities where God has been humanized, you know, in order for, I guess, the rational mind to try more the rational mind, not the not anything larger than that, to create a concept of what God is. And I have to remind myself that God is beyond our words and language. And so I love when you talk about pure love that needs. Demands nothing. And it's, it's so
2: true. Can you imagine? There's no such thing. I was told in conversations with God, Neil, there's no such thing as the Ten Commandments. There's no such thing as right and wrong. There are no victims or villains in the world. And a whole series of other statements that were made to me that were directly contradictory to everything that my religion and my culture has taught me since I was seven years old. We're talking about theologically revolutionary ideas here. But dare we believe in such a God? Dare we believe in our highest idea? Mm. Could we even begin to just start by practicing with the person on the pillow next to us? Can we Mm. wake up in the morning with that person and say to ourselves in our own mind, I love that person no matter what? I don't need anything in return. I need nothing in return from that person because I'm not loving that person for what I can get in return. If that's why I'm loving that person, then I'm not loving them at all. I'm loving myself through them. Mm -hmm. But if I really love that other person for who they are, then I can look them square in the face and say, I demand, require, need, and even hope for nothing in return. I love you simply because of who you are. I see you. I see who you really are, regardless of how you respond or interact with me. Mm. There was a movie out a few years ago called Avatar, It was Mm, a wonderful, wonderful love story, fabulous love story. But you know what's interesting about that movie? It's the only love story made in Hollywood in the past 50 years where the words, I love you, were never spoken. Mm, The lovers in that movie never said to each other, I love you. You know what they said? mm, I see you. mm,
0: Check the movie out. They say to each
2: other, they say to each other back and forth all through the film, Mm. I see you.
0: Mm. And isn't that what really people need right now right they need to be seen they're they're craving to be seen and heard Well
2: people need nothing I was told in conversations <laughs> with God in the book communion with God that need is an illusion mm. the, the, the first illusion of humans mm. so but as long as we think we need something we will function in an entirely mm. different way from the way we would function when we're clear that we need nothing
0: mm. to be
2: totally happy
0: yeah. And, and so what would you say that would be in place of that word? Is there a word or is there desire. something? Desire. Desire. We desire. Mm. We desire.
2: See, and you, you know, when I learned that, I learned that when I was about 19 or 20 years old, when I began to have sexual experiences with ladies on a, you know, on a more of a normal basis, you know, when you're, until you're 19 or 20, at least when, in, in those days, these days, I guess if you're 13, but, <laughs> but you know, but what, you know, in those days, you know, when I was 19 or 20, I, I began having interactions with ladies that were sexual. And you know what I learned? I learned the difference between Desire and need. And Mm -hmm. I learned that if you come to a woman with need, she'll have an entirely different reaction to you than if you come to her with desire. Mm. And don't kid yourself. Every lady can tell the difference instantly.
0: (laughs) True story. (laughs) Yes. Well, Neil, as we, as we wrap up here, I'm just, I would love to hear just, you know, as you've as you've been doing the work that you've been doing for for so many years, and I know it's touched so many people, and it's touched my life, and I've just been really grateful for this opportunity, and I would love to just hear what your vision is for this work that you do, and working to support the larger picture of healing the world and this planet at this time, and what what is your macro vision for the work that you're doing?
2: I'm not here to heal the world. If I thought I was here to heal the world, uh, I would be very overwhelmed by mm-hmm. the challenge. I'm here to heal myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to change the world. I'm here to change Neil. I'm here to see if I can finally, before I say goodbye to this planet, if I can just get to a place where I can say, I made it. I made it. I made it to the place where my thoughts my words and my actions were demonstrations of the highest idea I ever held about myself, mm. about life, about God, and about each other. Mm. But here's what's interesting. When I decide to focus on changing myself and move through the world from that place, without my trying to or wanting to or choosing to or requiring myself to, I automatically changed the lives of those mm. whose lives I touch.
0: Mm. Absolutely. That is the premise of our podcast. We have to be the love first in order to shine our light. Absolutely.
1: Well, Neil, <laughs> tell our listeners where they can find you and any anything you're currently working on. Is there another book in the works?
2: I'm findable at cwgconnect.com people who want to stay connected with the energy of conversations with God can do so at cwgconnect.com. And of course, like everybody else in the universe, I have a Facebook page as well. Just jump on Facebook and type my name and you can come to my Facebook page. So that's how you can stay connected with me if you want. I'm not sure if I'll be writing any more books. I may or I may not. It depends on what I'm inspired to do or if my phone rings again and somebody calls me and asks me to write a book. I may, in fact, take up take someone up on that invitation. But for now, you know, I'm 80 years old, and I'm happy to just be experiencing myself on my own journey. My vision is, help me get to the place that I would really love to be with regard to how I think, how I behave, and how I speak before I die. And then I want just four words on my gravestone. My wife already knows she's agreed to, to make sure that those four words are on my gravestone if I leave before her. So if people come by to visit them, my gravestone, they'll see those four words.
0: And, and, they what, are... and what are those words? You got oh, thinking? thank, like thank God
2: share? you asked because I thought they're not going to ask me. They're not going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> the four words I want on my gravestone are these. Now that was fun.
0: Mm, I have to say, Neil, you've you've really, I just made me laugh so much today, and I love, I love. This has been so much fun. So. So that's been incredible. And I love just, you know, how, because I think there's a lot of seriousness in spirituality. And so when we can laugh and play and have fun and and bring in the joy, that's, you know, that's the magic right there. So thank you so much for for making this fun for us.
2: (laughs) That's a sweet thing to say. And thank you for allowing me the chance to share some ideas with both of you. Mm -hmm. It's been lovely to be here with you. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Neil, for being here with us today and sharing this space for this beautiful, beautiful conscious conversation. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. Find a spiritual home with us and let's connect on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We always appreciate the five-star reviews on iTunes or Spotify. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with a monthly donation that helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our page Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash Be The Love podcast and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5 55 a.m mountain time.